Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you're like inching up and you're like, are you going to vibrate? Are you going to vibrate? Are you going to vibrate? No. Okay, we're good. Derek Cranervelt, and you're listening to Xbox Game Passengers. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the show. If you've been here before, we really appreciate you coming back. And if this is your very first time, this is the show where each episode, myself and a guest will dissect and discuss a single game available on Microsoft's Game Pass service, which was chosen for us completely at random. So whether it's a magical or horrible experience, we'll force ourselves through it, share our thoughts, and let you know whether or not the game is worth your time. At the end of this episode, we'll even be randomly drawing the game for the next show too, so you always know what's coming up. Last week, a good pal of mine, Doogie, joined me for a discussion about a slightly disappointing uh, game that I was actually really excited to play called Observer. So if you missed that one, just jump back one track and you will uh, be able to hear that conversation. But today we've got a familiar voice joining me again. Uh, you may recognize him from the discussion about Viva Pinata, uh, which is a has become a fan favorite episode. I've gotten actually a lot of feedback on that and particularly about my, my terrible, terrible mouse story. Um, so I'm sorry for that, but really I'm not because I'm still still haunted by it after all this time. But Mike is back. Mike, how are you today? I have the candy everywhere. You have the candy everywhere. <laughs> so I mean, you have a you have a mouse problem. Is that what you're saying? I always have a mouse problem. You always have a mouse problem. That apparently that is a thing in my area as well. But I have only seen one, and it was dead. Actually, there was one in my barbecue one time. Uh, that one was not dead. That one was alive, and it, we we terrified each other. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, why don't you just close the lid and turn on the barbecue? You don't even have to light it. Just just turn on the barbecue. It's not it's not really my thing. Uh, but yeah, we are here to talk about a game. I, this, this game got drawn at the end of the last episode and I didn't want to talk to anybody about it except for you because you are the biggest, what do, what do Gears of War fans call themselves? Like gear heads? Yeah. Is there a thing? Is there a term? I don't, I don't even know. You don't, so you're not, no, I'm not, I'm not like talking to the wrong person. Well, see, like. I just remember when Gears 4 came out and I was like, I'm a huge Gears fan. And then they had like these like people who like got the coalition tattoo, like on their chest with like cog mm. tags and all that. And I'm like, I am not that hardcore of a fan. You're like, I'll do it on my arm, but my chest is off limits. Uh, no, not even I like, I guess I could see a cog tag or something, but I'm not putting the coalition logo on <laughs> myself. I'm sorry, coalition. You make great games, but no <laughs> not that great not that great yeah um but yeah you've been i mean i as far as i'm aware you've been a pretty big fan of the series since its inception is that right yeah uh, it was uh the i want to say yeah it was the first game i think that i got on my xbox 360 oh wow aside from like xbox live arcade but sure you know with geometry wars was that part of xbox live arcade i feel yes. like that game oh my god I... that game <laughs> is that uh, is there a version of that for xbox one no, but it needs to be on Game Pass. Like, get on that, Microsoft. Yeah, that doesn't need to. Well, I mean, they're done with backwards compatible games now, though. So, no, nah, uh, they're not really. That, I mean, for for now, for now, they're starting to focus on next year instead. Or next, yeah, I guess that is next year. The the uh, Project Scarlet launch. Uh, but today, yeah, today we're talking about Gears of War Ultimate Edition, uh, which was a full on remake slash remaster of uh, the very first Gears of War game, which came out in like 2006. Is that how old that is? Yep, that is correct. That is crazy. I it launched with it was yeah, it was a launch title for or it was kind of like the first pinnacle, right? So it's it was like the first game that 
launch with the Xbox 360 that was um, sort of like the definition for the genre. Uh-huh. Or not the genre, but the generation. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, it, it was the one that was supposed to make your jaw drop about, you know, graphics and all the things that could be done. And it, and it did. I remember... I remember I have a couple of I haven't played a lot of Gears of War um, and this was absolutely my first time going through the full campaign for any of the games but I um, have a couple of Gears of War stories from the original titles and that like like my dad my dad always played video games for instance and my dad was uh, you know like we we when I was a little kid we had like a Sega Genesis and it was mostly for the games he wanted to play and, and he was big into PlayStation and stuff and he got an Xbox 360 and I have never seen him more into a game before or since than Gears of War the original Gears of War like there would be um, he, he still talks about it to, to this day you know 12 or 13 years later or whatever but there were times when you know my mom would go to work and she would often work like a 3 to 11 shift wherever she was at and she would go to work and he would be playing Gears of War and when she came home he would still be playing Gears of War um, just totally obsessed with the uh, obsessed with the game and, and just totally obsessed with the multiplayer it had like a huge following I just remember remember him like yelling about lag when he would get like killed or, or, or hit with like a Nasher or something like that. And um, I, I played the multiplayer a bit at that point as well. And it was, it was probably one of my first like online shooter experiences. And that this was back in the day when you each, each gamer tag had to pay for its own Xbox live. And so I just used my dad's Xbox, Xbox live um, and he played inverted and I did not play inverted. And so every, time i would play i'd have to switch it up and then often i would forget to switch it back and finally one day he was just like you're not playing gears of war anymore unless you play inverted like you're not allowed to change it anymore um, and and inverted it was so unnatural and it was so weird but you i got used to it because i wanted to keep playing the game and now it's been 13 years and i cannot play a video game unless the controls are inverted at this point like that is like i didn't start out inverted i i switched partway through my life um but now if like i get someone hands me a, hands me a controller and it's not inverted controls i'm like i can't play this i have no idea what to do like i, I feel like I'm too old to relearn now, but it's uh it's like a minority thing. Like not, I, I'm the only person that I know aside from my dad that plays shooters inverted. Yeah. You know what? And I can see that more uh, with the third person than I could with a first person mm. a little bit, even first person at this point. Yeah. Like, but I like, I, I can't do that. There's no way I could do, I could, I could probably play gears inverted, but I could not play any other game inverted. <laughs> and it's yeah it was i remember it just and and you just spend so much time being so terrible and then you slowly get better and better and better with those controls and now it's the only thing that i know and it's the only thing that i can play and it's all my dad's fault thanks dang dad. it dads <laughs> happy father's day <laughs> um but yeah I, I this time you know had we started with this game it wouldn't have been a problem because uh thankfully with the xbox one a single gold subscription could cover your entire home console but um that wasn't a thing back then unfortunately but but yeah today we're talking about gears of war ultimate um before we get into the game, what I would love to know, uh, you you joined us for an episode before and, and we talked at length, but since then I've started just asking, uh, just so the listeners can kind of get a sense for uh, the taste of the guest, uh, I would love to know kind of how long you've been playing games for and what are some of the genres that you typically gravitate towards and what are some of your favorite titles? Uh, I've been playing games since I was four, so 27 years and... Uh... Yeah, I started with Super Mario Bros. and Legend of Zelda for the most part. Those were the first real serious games that I played on my SNES when I was little. Uh, And then going from there, I mean, it's just been an eclectic mix. I like everything from sports games to Gears of War. To Viva Pinata. To Viva Pinata, apparently. I didn't even know that until recently. Uh, But I mean, yeah, I like sort of everything. Like I, I, it's a really eclectic mix of, you know, one of my favorite games for the longest time was Ori in the blind forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, it's just cause that's such just a moving game or, um, another one that I really enjoyed for a long time was, uh, why can't I remember what it's called off the top of my head now? It was about the world war one game by Ubisoft valiant hearts. Oh yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's been a while since I played that one, but yeah, no, that was another one that I was really hooked on. So yeah, I've, you know, it, I love kind of every genre. I mean, even I, I, I enjoyed Disneyland Adventures a little bit more than you, anyways. Yeah, I'm never gonna play that shit again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But uh, yeah, no, I love Gears of War. I've played all the way through Gears 4 uh, as a series. It's it's fantastic. Um, we've put so many hours in on Gears 4 playing split screen and <laughs> horde mode and that. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting. I do really appreciate that that series has has always had and has kept up with the like the split screen or the online co-op because I because online if I'm if I am correct online each 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 gear each are they cog what do they call what are they called they're cogs they're cogs each cog can be a real person right like your whole team of four yep is that correct yeah yeah online it's all four if uh it's well not in gears one I don't believe in the original gears I think it was only two because the way they wrote it um, the other two players kind of disappear, but then going forward, gears two forward, I believe you could play as all four. They, they did a le- little less of people disappearing in the middle of the campaign and showing up a little later. I see. Yeah. So they wrote, yeah. So they more wrote it specifically for that in mind. And gears two, I mean, gears two is a little bit more, I mean, obviously gears one being early on in, in the Xbox 360, there was less. I feel like now it would be, uh, I mean, we're about to obviously dig into this game, but now it's like, because we've got this remaster, this ultimate version of the first Gears of War, and then obviously Gears of War 4. I've played a little bit of the multiplayer, like with you guys, but not very much. Um, but it obviously looks very, very pretty as well. I feel like now it would be hard to go and play uh, 2, 3 in Judgment, just because they're going to be super dated in comparison to these two games. Um, Yeah, a little bit. I, You know what? It's I think the textures are just a little bit higher quality, but I still think that... It won't be as dated as you think. No. Yeah, I mix, I would expect, like, I feel like I'm expecting it to just look like trash. I, I think they push the visuals in every single one of the games, so it's not so bad. And, and that said, like, Gears, I remember being blown away with the first Gears when it came out. And, and so if it looked that good, then, um, you know, how, how bad could it really look now, I guess? Well, exactly. Although how much of it is just the, how much of it is just the nostalgia? Yeah, exactly. Do you want to do the uh, description here? Yeah, please jump into it. Basically, this is the description from Microsoft. Experience the title that launched one of the most celebrated sagas in video games with Gears of War Ultimate Edition. The shooter that defined the first generation of HD gaming has been painstakingly remastered in 1080p, modernized for the Xbox One with 50 frames per second, competitive multiplayer, and loaded with new content, including five campaign chapters never released on Xbox. The story of Gears of War thrusts gamers into a deep and harrowing battle for survival against the Locust Horde a nightmarish race of creatures that surface from the depths of the planet. Players live and breathe the role of Marcus Phoenix, a disgraced former war hero. Marcus seeks personal redemption as he leads his fire team against an onslaught of merciless warriors from below. So that description kind of confuses me a little bit because I feel like what you start the game and Marcus is in jail and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder, wonder what he did. I wonder how he got here. And they'd never explain that. <laughs> and uh, at least not in this game. I, I don't think that it's ever really discussed aside from like the first few minutes where someone is like, oh, I know what you did or something. Um, but then and then what's his personal redemption at that point? Because he I mean, I, I guess he does sort of save the planet. So I guess that probably re- redeems what he did. So I guess I redact that question. But I wish that they dug deeper into I, I, I feel like the characters are all these super gruff overly gruff dudes and they don't really ever uh, like they don't i don't know how much of characters they feel like because you don't actually i feel like ever really get a sense for them in this game do you would you agree with that um a little bit i think that they intended it i think always as a trilogy and so they should have introduced that conflict or or gotten a little more into detail anyways I, i think that they didn't intentionally because of the fact that in this game basically you're in the middle of all hell breaking loose and they're breaking this mm-hmm. guy who's super disgraced out of jail because of the fact that he is, they, they need all hands on deck. Totally. And when you're leaving this prison, literally you are, you are literally the last person in this prison. It is like rotted to hell and there's like monsters already ready to eat your bones kind of. Well, and they, they had, they kind of touch on that in that the rest of the prisoners had been let go prior to that. And mm-hmm. for some reason they chose to keep you in jail. Uh, and, and it's just now that they don't have any other options and you're, and you're, t- you are totally right about that. Like, I don't, I don't see thinking back on it now, I don't see much of an opportunity for digging into the backstory because, you know, five minutes after you start, it's pretty relentless at that point until the end of the game. Like you are in the middle of a battlefield, you're in the middle of this giant war and it's, things are getting worse and worse and worse by the minute. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's not until the second game that they really touch on what happened. And it really, honestly, you don't even get a full perspective of what it is until the third game. Really? So, but they do kind of explain it. Do they explain eventually like what he did to get there? And yeah, it's, it's kind of towards the end of the second game, beginning of the third game, I believe, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I played through them, but uh, yeah, basically they just uh, eventually go through um, everything that happened leading up to that. And it had to do with his dad and some experimentation and his refusal to leave uh, a post. Uh, it's yeah, it's a it's kind of a complex story. I don't think the way that they've written the first game, it could have been possible to explain that. And I think that they also sure. kind of wanted to be like, well, if this is a flop, we'd rather it be more of a generic mm-hmm. shooter than leaving all of these open threads. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and they very much te- like like it feels when the kind of credits are about to roll, it feels like it's this pretty closed in story, but then like the camera kind of pans back and there's like, it's, it's like blows everything open. Basically it seems like. So, um, so yeah, I, I think you're right there in that they, I, I guess they must've always, always planned to kind of go back into the characters and everything like that. And is he, cause again, I don't have a lot of history with the series as a whole. Is he like the star of all of the games or, or how does that go? Yeah. He is the star of the, Initial trilogy. Okay. And so then Gears 4 is his son. And where does Judgment fit in? What is Judgment? Uh, Judgment is following Baird. So it's sort of like filling in Baird's backstory. Oh, okay. So is it a prequel then? Kind of, yeah. Um, and I believe, I like, I haven't... Do you ever actually go back to Emergence Day? Honestly, I haven't played much through Judgment because it was, I you know, when it came out, I was kind of like swamped with other things at the time. Um, and I, I was like, I, I just, I don't know. Baird was probably my least favorite character from the series. And I was like, I really don't want to watch a game about him. <laughs> but uh, from what, yeah, from what I understand from it and the little bit I've played, uh, yeah, you go back and it also has a lot more to do with what happened with Marcus and, and the, the whole kind of filling in because it came out before three, right? I, I'm not sure if I remember. Yeah. So it kind of, I think they intended it to fill out that story going into three so that you had more of a understanding. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is kind of like a prequel to even gears one. Uh, okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Cause it's, it's more about what happened that landed Marcus in jail, which I'm interested in. So I feel like I would definitely at this point love to go and back and play that guy. I, 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 we, I mean, we haven't really given, perspective on obviously you're a fan because you love the series but this was it it felt pretty new to me and i had a freaking blast playing this game there was some frustrating moments which we'll get to but i it is insane to me and obviously it it looks gorgeous because just a few years ago it it was completely remastered by the coalition um and and even though it's not xbox one x enhanced which seems like an oversight because they the microsoft i feel like they enhance a lot of their own titles and and this one kind of has been left out at this point but it's it is gorgeous looking um and i really wish that i i know it's like a different i don't know how possible it would be i really wish you had the like before after button that the master chief collection had just to kind of show you how much things have changed because it looks completely modern and the gameplay feels like what i remember it being and it somehow still holds up after like 13 years like the from you know from the shooting to the cover system in this game is so unique and and I know kind of inspired a lot of other f- games that followed it, but it is just so solid. And I, yeah, they did a lot of work on that cover system. Like it was even, even when it started, it was like, Oh my God. And it's funny because having played a ton of gears going forward and like mm-hmm. going into gears four, it's funny because it's like, I know how good it was, but then I would be doing something in the campaign uh, and I would be like going to take cover somewhere and I couldn't because the cover system wasn't that evolved yet. Oh, <laughs> so okay. it's funny to see it backwards where it's like, oh, man, this sucks. But then you're like, oh, no, wait, when this was new, it was like amazing. It was the best thing ever. Yeah. So so are you talking about like, does it feel different in Ultimate from the original game or is it is it the same there or has it evolved somewhat? It's changed. Uh, but the cover system works just as it did, in my opinion, uh, from the, the first gears to ultimate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that the way that the system, I, I would imagine that the way that they do the the coding for how the cover system works has changed and how it makes decisions on what it's snapping to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just feels a little more sloppy compared to gears four. Well, and there was definitely a few annoying moments in that. And like, I'm trying to roll or something like that, but because of where the sticks pointed, when I press the button, like it snaps to something instead. And then I get like a, like hit with a boom shot or something like yeah. that. Like there's a few of those times. And, and, but I imagine it must be it mu- like in such a fast paced 
moment in in a game like that it must be very hard to kind of gauge what the player's trying to do in a, in this a situation like that well exactly and i think a little bit of it is as well that when you're more used to the newer system um, not that it's changed that much, but when you're used to kind of, I, I guess, the leniency it gives you or the smarts it has, you would probably, if you only ever played on that system, you wouldn't find it sloppy at all. It's just, you know, looking backwards, it's a little sloppier. Sure, totally. Uh, it, yeah, it just felt like the whole the whole system itself was just super fluid and easy to understand. And I just love the different options that it gives you from like, if there's another piece of cover that's close to you, like how simple it is to just kind of yes jump back and forth between that cover. That's something that I think games, some games today still struggle with. Um, and this game just even, just, it's an old game and it seems to do it so well still. Or the options to, you know, do I want to run around the side of this or hop over the top of it like it's just super fluid and it um it, it makes so much sense i was really really impressed by that system uh for most of the game it seemed like um th- the only kind of times i think that like there was a previous example that i gave but the only times i kind of really struggled with it is i feel like towards the end of the game cover is kind of less it's, it's it covers sp- uh, sparse because things are all destroyed and everything like that. And often like your, your AI buddies, which I think might be the worst part of the game, oh, man. but the AI buddies would just, would just like take the cover and then you would have no options. And then you would get like Troika, which is this giant turret thing that, that has like unlimited ammo and shoots very, very quickly. But um, those were the only kind of struggles that I had with it. Yeah. And, and that's just it. It's it was like things that they looked at where people struggled. And then um, I think that's the major success of the whole gear series is the fact that they have successfully looked at what people struggle with and what people wanted and and focused on fixing those things like they built a solid foundation and then they just upgraded it as opposed to being like all new it was just like no this is the same thing that you're familiar with it's just better it's like we have a very solid base so let's evolve that instead of trying to change it entirely type thing exactly and and the cool thing is like all the cover system in that that you're familiar with is all based on paintball actually that's that's how they came up with it they <laughs> really? played a bunch of paintball and figured out how they would move in a firefight because they knew that the game was going to be kind of bullet spongy and forgiving in yeah. that regard so mm-hmm. Um, what they wanted to do was give you a lot more movement as opposed to standing around and firing. So they played paintball and they figured out how you're moving around. And if you were moving around where one bullet isn't just going to kill you, yeah, what would you do? Right. Right. And so that's why that system works so well is because of the fact that like they based all those movements and actions on stuff they did in paintball. <laughs> that's, I did not know that. That's actually quite interesting. And, and thinking back to not, not that I've, I've not played paintball, but watching it over the years a little bit, like just seeing uh, it is that very kind of cover based, like waiting for your moment type game. And it totally, it totally does feel like that. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's a different feel and it's funny going like and then playing paintball and you're like, oh, yeah, OK, this is like real life gears. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it's so one thing I think that this game does really well, too, is a lot of whether it's third or first person, a lot of these shooters like feel so I don't know if like floaty or weightless is the right word, but this game like the the dudes are big and they're like armored and it. It, it, everything feels really solid even into in like how you have to you know like the roadie run mm-hmm. so when you hold a you kind of everything kind of go, goes blurry and the camera's super shaky and you kind of r- like run as fast as you can which still isn't that fast but you can only do it for like a short period of time even it's like it just feels very it, like it fits for um the theme and and for the size of these guys and everything like that like even i i, I feel like a lot of elements of this game feel really unique and um, I'm surprised we don't see more stuff like that in, in more games. Yeah, uh, especially the kind of bullet spongy kind of games that you're seeing come out. Mm-hmm. I, I just um, just looking at things like The Division and I'm like, they have a cover system and it's decent, but it's like, guys, Gears has been out for a while now. Why are we not <laughs> like <laughs> more than a decade? Yeah. And I mean, really, it's like I know that you can't directly copy paste, but you should be able to look at your cover system and say, no, that needs a lot more work. Um, to be functional in, in a game like that because of the fact that that is what makes a bullet spongy kind of game, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. fun is the fact that it's almost like you have to stick a ton of rounds on someone. So you need to do it strategically because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's all force multiplication. You're always up against more enemies than you are. Using that as an example as well, like a game that is really built around being a cover shooter, uh, like, like, this game, for example, in a firefight, you spend far more time 
in cover than you do out of cover. And so that system, if you want to be, if you want players to use it or, or feel, um, feel like they want to use it, that needs, that system needs to be as fluid and as simple as possible. I think, oh, absolutely. I think that they, even back then in the case of, of using this game as an, as an example, I think that they pretty much nailed it on the head. Yeah. They spent a lot of time on it. I remember watching videos when, when it first came out and it was, yeah, they talked a lot about how, the biggest thing that they spent time on was the, uh, I guess like when if you're spending time as a limited resource, yeah, the characters are going to suffer based on what we've discussed already. But uh-huh. um, the things that they spent the biggest time on were sort of the environments and that cover system and because they play together, right? Uh-huh. And, and, you know, you want this to be as pretty as possible, but still be obvious for the player and function well and, and things like that. I found in, in this game, at least, and just looking back at Gears 1, I guess it was a little bit of the, the user experience kind of thing is the fact that I got lost a couple times where I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And then I would eventually clue in. It's like, oh, that light over there is on. I guess I should go over there. Mm. But it was a little less obvious. Like I, I would have liked a little bit more hand holding or something, I guess. I don't know. That's that's an interesting thought because because really it's it's such a linear game that there's only really one path. But you're right in that it's not always super obvious as to what that path is um there, there's a and it, it and even like i feel like a few times throughout the game like it's like it gives you it tells you to press y basically which focuses on some sort of point of interest and and it'll be like oh this door that's way off in the distance and like that's it's just telling you where you're supposed to go so you don't have to like hunt around for it i guess yeah and i think uh, I, I think that they maybe knew that a little bit it's just in some weird spots where they should have done that that they didn't um like i remember where you the the one where you break into the factory and then there's sort of the firefight with a few grubs and all of the um, lambent wretches. And uh, I don't know if you'll remember, there's like kind of like three rooms where there's carts uh, before you get on the carts. And so I cleared that, but the way that the room is set up and the way that the battles play out, especially with the cover system, the way that it is, it's very easy for the front line to pinwheel. And then all of a sudden the direction mm-hmm. you're supposed to go is behind you but you're turned around because you were focused on whatever. And then it's kind of like if the battle plays out for any length of time, or if you take a weird direction and and the enemies come from a different direction, if it's possible for them, then you kind of lose track of which way is forward. Mm-hmm. And then you're stuck in this room looking around trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Because there's not really like a compass or like a, you know, so I feel like so many games have like an arrow that's just like you can bring up that points you towards the general direction you're supposed to be heading. And and yeah, you're right, because there are a few fairly large environments that do have fairly big firefights in them. And while you're in that firefight, obviously, you're not focused on direction at all. And then afterwards, you're kind of like, where the hell am I? Yeah, <laughs> what happened? Where- <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I feel that for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's such an interesting game i feel like i had so much fun with it and i can't believe it took me this long to really play it like i and and it's interesting because i remember you know i played a little bit of the gears of war 4 campaign when that came out um just kind of try it out and i played the multiplayer in gears of gears 4 a a few times with you guys Mm -hmm. and i had fun with it but i don't know why it just i just never went back to it but it seems like a really interesting world and the story is i i feel like in this game at least the story is fairly light but also very interesting like and and light just in the sense that um it's it's like the 11th hour and and you guys have this very specific mission that kind of keeps getting more and more pieces tacked onto it as things don't work out or as as the plans need to change yeah as people die damn it carmine yeah like all that sort of stuff so so the story is kind of light in that you don't get a lot of of world building or backstory because it's just everything's already established but that said that really leaves me in a spot where i'm interested to learn more about the world and why it is the way it is as well but um it's just like a it's like an interesting the plot is interesting the gameplay is so good and and it is still gorgeous and and i don't know i i i feel like i'm running out of (laughs) i really loved this game i really loved this game yeah it's it's a great game um my only criticism would be the fact that the ai somehow got worse between the original ai is god awful well not even your friends though like the enemy ai is like much worse than it was in the original. And and I th- really? I was playing it and I'm like, just in the first few levels, I'm like, this seems really easy. Like the enemies are just straight up. I think at one point a guy got off a Troika and ran at me and I was like, well, what, what, <laughs> why would, you, why do would you do that? Like it was this whole, it was that section where you kind of come down the stairs and you, you've got to like kind of go cut across and then through an alley to, to flank it. Yeah. And I knew what was supposed to happen, but then he got off the Troika and ran at me. And I'm like, well, now I don't have to do that. 
<laughs> it's just uh, so I, you know, I I went through the first few levels and then I took the exact same route. I went back to the original gears and played, mm-hmm. and I died like twice as much. Well, it's mm-hmm. like I died twice. <laughs> I didn't die up to that point. But. That brings up a good the the difficulty brings up a good point because I was just playing on normal, mm-hmm. um, but it it seemed like the first two thirds of the game were incredibly easy. Like I don't like I died a couple of times, maybe mm-hmm. type thing. And then the last third of the game, I feel like I died so much. Like I died. Oh, yeah. You get shredded constantly in the, like the last third. Yeah. Like there is the when you fight the what's the big thing called the brew. Oh, the brumac brumac. like the brumac fight. I died a lot in because and part of it, part of it, though, I feel like is because we're talking about AI still the the your your com- companion ai is so terrible like for instance I, I one of the things i noted down was the berserker that you have to fight in the observatory i struggled with for so long not because it was hard but because dom who was my partner at the time just kept walking in front of him and getting destroyed and actually dying and so it was like like he wouldn't be downed he would actually die and then i'd have to restart and it seemed like i could not do anything to stop that from happening aside from like trying to um stay closer to the berserker myself like stay right beside it so that it focused on me versus him that was like the only way to kind of get around it and then with the broom brumak is that yep. what you said yeah brumak that but the brumak fight it was very similar in that like you, you in this fight it's this giant creature who they've kind of been teasing it and you see it several times throughout the game i'm like they better let us fight this thing otherwise it's just so like why is it even here if it's like if it's not gonna if it's not gonna amount to something but this fight is very interesting because it has these giant giant it's a it's you know 34 i don't know 35 to 50 feet tall i would say and um maybe that's wrong yeah it's like a giant wretch with guns yeah so it's like giant and it's got these giant cannon like cannons and machine guns on its arms and in this fight you're essentially focusing on you're trying to shoot the guns to start to to essentially make it so it's um not able to shoot at you and same thing in that like i'm focusing on these guns and dom just keeps getting downed and then once he's down the thing it only has to focus on you and and so like the pipes and stuff that you're hiding around um they can you can like still shoot you across that so that took a lot of attempts as well for me and then the that those are the two those were the two biggest parts the the final boss fight against uh uh general general colonel rom um that took a while just because just in terms of figuring out what to do um but then once i figured out what to do it, it because it's like a cl- more closed environment i think dom didn't have as many places to go so he had an easier time staying behind cover and everything like that but those other two fights were just like they got to the point where they're super frustrating but not and it wasn't that i was dying because of difficulty or anything like that it just seemed like the ai just he like he would just stand in front of the berserker and get taken out and like he wasn't even shooting at it at times like it, he was just standing there and it was it's like this guy just has a death wish just let him go yep pretty much yeah the ai was so brutal in that regard yeah that and my only other complaint on in the game was the fact that they stripped out uh cpus so you couldn't play like a multiplayer match against just ai Mm. which just to me was kind of (laughs) disappointing so sorry they don't have that in ultimate but it was there in the original yes okay yeah, I wonder why that is. Like, I always felt like, I feel like stuff like that is very useful in terms of trying to get used to the game before you actually jump online versus other people or test out weapons or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I can't think of any real reason as to take it out because of the fact that it's like, if it was in there on the 360 and you've got so much more horsepower on the Xbox One. Yeah, that's true. What the heck? Like, really? <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. It, it's like an active decision to take it out. I guess maybe if the AI was having trouble on the Xbox One that they thought, well... You're not going to be able to throw a bunch of people at them in this, you know, like you can in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just not even have the feature. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, well, and I wonder if it's just like like back then, for instance, um, you know, early on in the 360 days, how many people were playing on live uh, online and how many people were paying for live and how many people just played the, you know, they wanted that sort of experience. So they would play that mode. Whereas now just the whole being online is so much more ingrained into the platform as a whole. I wonder if they just didn't see the benefit in, in porting that piece over to the new version of the game as well. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I guess. It's difficult because it's like, I I feel like this game is literally so old, Uh um, like before they remastered it, that when you think about what Microsoft actually had to go through to make it, like when they were building this game, they knew what the specs of the Xbox 360 were going to be, but they didn't actually have dev consoles yet. 
So, and bear in mind, the first person who's going to get a dev console is obviously Microsoft Studios. Um, that they were literally just buying every single Mac Pro G5 tower that Apple could make. But it was also, it was it was like a second party game, right? Because Gears is owned by Microsoft, but Epic was the developer. Yes. Is that, yeah. Well, Gears, so is, kind yeah, of Gears is owned by Microsoft um, and it is a Microsoft Studios title, but it was being developed by Epic before Microsoft purchased Epic. But even still, it's like if you're not even developing this on the console in the first place, how whacked is that code when you try to go and bring it forward? Sure, totally. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's difficult. It's it is a great game, but uh, there's a few things as an old, like as an old Gears of War fanboy who's been playing it since the beginning. They're the uh, things an that old I miss. gearhead, yeah, if you will, an old gearhead. Yes, an old <laughs> cog. Um. But I mean, yeah, that's just it. It's you can't. I don't know. They, those were the modes that I played all the time. So for me, it was kind of disappointing to not have that to be able to, you know, even sit down with Laura, who had never even heard of Gears of War before Gears of War three was out, uh-huh. um, and say, you know, this is the original Gears of War. It's super great, and you know, she's more of a sit back and snipe. So it's like, okay, no problem. We'll do split screen with the AI because uh-huh. there is no horde mode. Um, right. That's you know, horde mode came out in Gears two. So. Yeah, it it just is kind of disappointing in that regard. Yeah, that's fair. We kind of mentioned a few minutes ago talking about weapons a little bit. I feel like it's an interest. It's interesting because I very rarely felt the need to try different weapons because it felt like after every single fight, it's just like, here's a box of ammo. Now you have full ammo. Whereas in a lot of games, it's like, oh, I'm going to try this gun because I'm low on ammo. And then uh, you end up liking that gun or whatever. So there's a, I mean, there's a cut, like it just felt like most of the game I'm playing with just the Lancer uh, and the Nasher shotgun. And then towards the end, the, uh, the torque bow with the torque bow, which is a super cool weapon. Yeah. I love um, that thing. Basically. The, yeah. Basically the torque, it's like a, it's like a bow and arrow, um, but the shots are explosive, but, and they can, if you essentially torque the bow enough uh, uh, and get enough pressure on there. So you're basically just holding the shoot button to build up this pressure. It'll actually stick into the enemy. And then the enemy kind of runs around for a second and then it explodes and it kills. Or them. it'll straight up rip their head off. If you get a headshot or yeah, or blow their head. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of gore in this game. Like, like just the, yeah, it is. Uh, it is. Uh, they pushed the particle aspect of it. Uh, you remember when um, PlayStation had their, like obviously PS4 launched a year later, but um resistance fall of man and they talked about how you know the grenade goes off and there's all these little itty bitty points that are all calculated and all that stuff and that's only possible because of the cell engine and i'm like sitting here like yeah this game looks basically like a first person gears of war (laughs) and it's like and i feel like all that stuff had already happened like a Mm. year ago guys I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's great that you can calculate individual points, but can you chainsaw someone in half? Well, I was just going to bring that up because even, you know, how long is the campaign? Probably like 10 to 12 hours, would you say? Yeah, in around there. Around 10 hours. Like whether it's the first time or the hundredth time you're chainsawing a dude, it never, ever gets old. Yeah, you're just like, you never knew you wanted to be a lumberjack until you played this game <laughs> like straight up. And that and and that's part of the reason it's like oh there's this other cuz I did try the hammer burst assault rifle which is the like locust assault rifle. I did try that and I actually think I liked shooting with it better, but the moment I could switch back to the land, it was like I don't have a chainsaw on this one. Yeah. So the moment I don't want to punch that I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to like cut this dude in half and oh yeah, the the chainsaws that like if it was just I would is I wish there was a mode where all the only option you had was chainsaws. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what kind of what Gears 4 Horde mode was, right? Like they have those challenges where you have to either like spike mm. or or um, chainsaw, right? Okay, yeah. And yeah. that's, you know, you don't have to, but if you want the bonuses, then you have to. Um, <laughs> if you're just barely surviving, then don't bother. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, like that's just it. That was such a cool mechanic. It was such a like ridiculous thing. Uh, mm. and And it was like nothing I had seen before at that point. Yeah. And when you move actually out of normal and into the harder modes, uh, the, the funny thing is, is my comment was going to be the opposite because I played on harder modes. Okay. The, the way that they made it harder was they just made your health lower. Well, for the most part, they basically made your health lower and their health like double. So, you know, it's like, oh, here's a bunch of, here's a bunch of ammo. Here's a bunch of ammo. 
Um, but when I'm playing, it's like if I'm playing solo and not on co-op where my, you know, basically the AI is useless and you're really just a one man army. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that it was like, oh my God, thank God, because I had like 12 rounds left like all the time. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I never in the casual or, or normal modes, I just like never used my sidearm, but then the bull talk was my best friend. Oh yeah. I didn't touch the pistol a single time in the whole game. And the bull talk is ridiculous. Like it's that it's a magnum and it just rips through enemies. Well, I know when when the enemies would be using it, when I would get hit with one, it like feels like it almost even on normal, it almost took you down with us with a single shot. Yeah, because it's like it's a massive gun. <laughs> it's it's basically a hand cannon. Like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I just never felt the need to use it because my my primary arms were never low on ammo type thing yeah. so um does it give you do the harder modes give you less ammo as well like after a big fight is there still that box or i think the nightmare mode does but they stick pretty true to the layout okay yeah have you have you like is nightmare the hardest yes have you played it on nightmare i've never finished it on nightmare, it on nightmare. <laughs> no, that sounds like a nightmare it, yeah it's a bad time well they also i think um i think in gears one i'm not sure but i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly that there is no like it's it's like permadeath. Okay. So yeah, it <laughs> it's a bad time. So you gotta basically like reserve a, a day and play through it if you want to play through the whole mm-hmm. game because you're not saving. Like you don't save the entire game? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That sounds horrible. Yeah. Why would anybody put themselves through that? Because you're a serious gears fan. <laughs> Speaking of nightmares, there's this point in Act Three when you're in this factory. And there's this room with like boards all over the floor. Oh yeah. And you, you fall through the floor and it's like this unlimited amount of those glowing, is it a wretch? Is that yeah, what? Yeah. The, yeah. The lambent wretches. Yeah. Yeah. These glowing wretches and it, they never end. And then you climb up this ladder until like I got to the end of the room. I couldn't feel or see any pattern in what the, what boards were safe to step on and which ones weren't. So I spent so much time here just in trial and error. And then like when I get to like the last couple of boards at that point, I realized that if a board's going to fall, your controller vibrates slightly just before that. And then yeah, I was going to say, you got to go really slow. Yeah. So at the, at first, and it even like it, even in that room, it limits your walking speed. And I just didn't clue in for so long. And, so I probably fell down like eight or nine times and I was just like done at that point. Like, I'm like, I'll finish this tomorrow. This is too much. Like I was just so mad at that point. Hey man. Hey man. If you and can't figure like out, idiot. like when I felt the vibration, when I felt like, when I felt the vibration, I was like, Oh, oh that means the board's going to fall. Then I, then I realized that it was my fault. The whole if time. If you can't handle the piranha pit, that's your own problem. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that is that a real saying? I don't think that's, no, thing. I don't know. It is now. <laughs> Did you accidentally take the wrong route like I did the first time and wound up getting the cog tag? And then you're like, great, now what? No, I got the, no, by the time, because the cog tag's kind of in the far corner of that room. I, I had, I fell down once more after that. But but then at the, on the, the time I went up after that, I was like, oh, this is, this is how this is working. Uh. Um but yeah, it took me, it was embarrassing how long it took to realize. And I was like, why would they make a room like this? Like why? Like there's just no, it doesn't give you any, cause I'm like looking at the boards trying to see if it's like certain patterns of wood or if it like shakes or something like that. Like trying to see versus feel uh, if it was going to fall and it just never worked out for so long. Yeah. I find like half the time in that one, you're like inching up and you're like, are you going to vibrate? Are you going to vibrate? Are you going to vibrate? <laughs> No. Okay, we're good. And then if it does, you can have enough. You, it gives you enough time to kind of step back yeah. quickly. It seems like. But on a side note, I, there's not a single door in this entire game that's open normally. No, no. You're either violently kicking it in, chasing it down, or asking your invisible robot friend to rip it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that? What is with that robot? Why is he invisible sometimes? You know what? I don't. They never really explain Jack. Why doesn't he stay invisible when he's taking when he's opening the door? My question is: Is if Jack is so good at this stuff, why the heck don't they just send him down into the tunnels to deploy the thing? <laughs> like yeah, they have this true. technology that makes something completely invisible to everyone, except for when he's doing stuff. Apparently, like like he's like, okay, I'll, I'll cut this door open, but you're gonna have to cover me because I can't be invisible while this is happening. Yeah, but like ninety nine percent of that is they ignore Jack anyways because they're too busy trying to kill you. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's always like defend Jack, and I'm like, I don't think that they're worried about Jack at all right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and the doors you're kicking in these doors. Most of them don't. I, like, do they even have door handles? I don't think that they do. No. 
No, that was the first thing the Locust Horde got rid of. That was, it was like no more door handles. <laughs> but they don't like, they don't even try to like push it open. Maybe it's like not latched or anything like that. Like a hundred percent of the time they're kicking it in and it's so loud and so violent. And then it like, like you're at one point you're like in the basement of the Phoenix residence and he kicks a door in. And then right after that, he's like, quiet and he whispers he just like whispers so quietly and i'm like i don't think you need to whisper like i think they know you're here based on like the like like the the grenade sound of the door that you just kicked in with your giant freaking feet like don't even worry about it man plus we were just shooting some guys in that next room so or in that previous room so i'm pretty sure they know we're here um it just didn't make any sense at all no man no man if you were if you're that jacked honestly are you gonna use a door like a normal person (laughs) Like, I, I mean, probably like doors, I don't know. It doesn't look like they have a lot of like materials left to like build stuff with. So they got to like preserve those doors as much as they can. I think. No, man. It's just like they heard they they were watching. I don't know. Someone played D and D or something and heard like the enemy of all humans is doors. So let's just get rid of the door <laughs> handles and that's it. Or like, like have a, give us an option. Like there's other games I've played and I can't recall the titles at this point, but it's like, I can press this button and he'll quietly open the door. Or if I like double tap the button, then he's going to kick it open to surprise the dudes inside. Like, give me a choice. Does that stay throughout the entire series? Is there ever a door that's open normally? Just thinking. Yeah, I think they, they do open doors normally later. <laughs> Gears three. <laughs> I think do. when you're on the ship, I don't remember being on like, stuff happens and then literally humanity winds up living on a ship. Mm, Okay. And like you're walking around in the ship and I don't, I don't recall. Now I want to go back and find out because I don't recall kicking down any doors, like being like, go visit Dom. And then you like kick down his front door. Like, I don't think that's what happened. (laughs) Um, Like no knock. You can't even knock or anything. No, 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 no. On, uh, on Sarah, whatever Sarah five, nine, six or whatever it is. It's, um, there is everyone has a no knock warrant. It's just you go in and start shooting <laughs> like seriously. It's it's pretty I don't know. It's pretty it's pretty brutal. But I mean, let's be honest mm-hmm. here. You're playing a game where like super jacked dudes are chainsawing super jacked monsters in half while mm-hmm. staring at them. That's like true. everyone's jacked. I had sometimes sometimes I had a hard time telling who was my friend and who was the bad guy because everyone's equally jacked. Yeah, right. I want to know what the gravity is like on Sarah that. Everyone is so jacked and no one can jump. Also, I'm just now realizing that it's not, it's, it sounds like it's not on earth. No, it's not. So like literally. Yeah, I the, thought it was earth. Do they talk about that at all in the first game? Yeah, they do. In the, literally in the first intro video. Oh, but that was like 12 hours ago. So like I forgot. <laughs> when they established the name of the planet. And like and if it looks like, like earth and it seems like earth, it's like it's probably just earth. Yeah, it's just like Earth, except everyone has legs that are like easily a foot and a half thick of solid muscle. <laughs> I thought it was a stylistic thing, you know? Um, or it's just that the gravity is like Cliffy six B times likes big legs. Six times that of Earth. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. That would make sense. Standing up every day is like doing a 400 pound <laughs> squat. Well, because the top half of them doesn't look as absurdly large. It's just the legs. I don't know. Their arms are pretty jacked. But pretty jacked, but like not as jacked as like not in comparison to the leg. No. <laughs> No, not at all. You're right. But I mean, let's be honest here. It's funny because it's like when you think of it that way, all of a sudden the humans are the aliens and then you kind of feel bad that you're murdering everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were just like, hey, get off our roof, you jerks. And we're like, no, nah, we're going to shoot you in the face. No, 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 no. That's true. That's true. You and your giant spider monster. <laughs> the spider spider monster is kind of cool. That was a cool part of the. Yeah, actually, what like what was the campaign? What was your what were your, like some of your favorite? like chapters or parts of the campaign. I like the Phoenix residence, but I really like the factory level. I guess maybe that's part of the reason is the whole just, it's just a crap ton of, of wretches, which are just fun to watch explode. Sure. But, um, I, I, yeah, you don't really feel more badass than when you're like able to one shot everything in a room. Yep. Yeah. Coltrane is my favorite part of that game period. Bar none. That is it. 100. <laughs> Terry Tate can hang out with me anytime. <laughs> that's a, uh... Yeah, you really, you really, you really got it down to just one moment there, huh? Well, it's one really long, glorious moment. You grind through like the first two, well, what, one and a half chapters till you meet Cole. And then it's like, yep, this is amazing. Series made. 
um i thought i really loved uh, i thought that the caves were pretty cool like the krill caves and and just just visually they were neat just the like contrast of the darkness to like the lava and everything like that i thought was pretty cool but the uh there's a chapter uh i think it's in act two and it's called lethal dusk and it's like that's when you're kind of first introduced to the krill which are they're just kind of like i i feel like they're just birds but if they basically they swarm and they just destroy you in like half a second but they can only be in the dark and so you spend it it, it kind of is one of the slower points of the game i think because you're for a lot of it you're not in these active firefights you're basically like looking for uh propane tanks that you can shoot to generate some light so that you can kind of run to the next point because if you're in the darkness for more than a second you're dead essentially um and then you eventually get like a, a car a vehicle and the vehicle has like a big spotlight on it and so you kind of have to switch between driving and pointing the spotlight at this at these like swarms of these krill that are coming at you um i just thought that they that as an enemy they seemed very very cool and i really i just thought the kind of how it when it slowed down and you do get a some because it is slower you do get some more exposition with the characters in those moments yeah. I feel like they chat a bit more um but just the krill as a whole were super interesting and then they like disappear all of a sudden i'm like it's still nighttime but all of a sudden you're gone like what unless uh, yeah i don't know why they disappeared after that you mean like later in the game no like right after that like right after that chapter it seems like it's still nighttime for a while but they're just gone yeah i don't know you like right kind of when you get to the factory in that right yeah 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 and you're like yeah yeah that that part always confused the crap out of me too i guess the factory is kind of well lit but um like i mean relatively well lit on the outside mm-hmm. um but yeah you know the thing that disappointed me about that like I loved the krill and it was like, it was a cool game mechanic and it, yeah, it allowed a little more of the character to come through cause it slowed the game down, but it also added this fun kind of mechanic where you could deal with situations that might arise by just turning the light. Cause the, the krill don't care. The krill aren't part of your enemy. They're, they're kind of, they're just sort of kind of like a force of nature almost. But then, but what's confusing about that is then like at the end of the game, when you're fighting Ram, he like ha- controls them somehow. Yeah, I don't know, but maybe that's why he's the general. Who knows? But they don't <laughs> care about anybody else. They will eat anyone in the dark, except the except the locust. No, it'll eat the locust if you manage to like. Locusts? Yeah, if you manage to like shoot out a light or something, it'll kill them. Oh, shit, that's cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah, but then the problem is, is it's like you have to do this evaluation of mm. okay, I was planning on going where those guys are. Okay, so yeah, if yeah. I shoot out the light, yeah, am I screwed? That kind of reminds me of. Uh, game that i played earlier this year that i absolutely loved uh it's called uh, a plague tale innocence and the there's plagues of these like weird supernatural rats essentially and they fear the light and so if there's a guard walking around with a lantern you can actually like throw a stone at the lantern to break it and then they just swarm around the guy and like eat him and it's like so it's like terrifying and satisfying all at once yeah yeah that kind of reminds me of that i because i remember play, actually thinking like oh i wish i could take out these guys using the krill and i didn't i didn't think to try to shoot the lights for whatever reason but that's pretty yeah if it's a fire then you're hooped but i mean yeah there's some of those where it is just like a light and you can often shoot them out or uh, i think there's a few places where you can find a switch to turn lights off Mm -hmm. and that's always fun Uh, okay i also really liked the not related to the krill at all but that was my favorite chapter but i i back in the caves too when you do fight that like giant spider thing i thought that was pretty cool because it's like it's it's not just a moment of like, how do we overpower this thing? It's like, let's, let's do what we can to, you basically like make it back, go backwards until it's on this platform. And, and then you make it like attack the platform to knock itself off type thing. I thought that was pretty cool actually. Yeah. You had to Um, be more strategic with it. Yeah. Yeah. like some of those moments I think were my favorite. Like I, as, as good as the gunplay is and as enjoyable as it typically is as well. Like it's nice to have those kind of breaks from time to time as well. Um, Just kind of, I I don't know, cool off a bit, I guess, but I, I really liked a lot of those aspects too. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's funny because, you know, the first game you have, you had to have those slow moments to create, like really create the atmosphere for some character sides of things to come out and some exposition. But the funny thing is, is that you think about like how Microsoft advertised future games. And it's like, uh, if you remember, like the finish the fight commercials that they did with the huge like montage or not montage, but like the huge diorama for Halo 3. Totally, yeah. And yeah, and then they had like the this is this is how it ends one for Gears three. Or was it Gears two? I feel like the only Gears ad that I remember, and I'm really glad you're bringing this up, but the is the Mad World ad. The Mad World ad was amazing too. 
Yeah. Or the uh, they had a series of those. Yeah, they had another one where it was um, it was the guy reading a poem. Oh, I do vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the Mad World ad though is like the cool, probably one of the coolest video game ads ever, and is was so different for its time as well. Yeah, they had so many amazing ads, and it's funny coming from a game that like you really didn't get a lot. Um, I guess maybe that's why I love. Well, no, I always love Cole, but like he's like the most out there character where it's like all out there and he's really that breath of fresh air where you you're like okay this dude is just you know he is a sports star who's a real badass Uh not like you know marcus is kind of like the gruff general type who cracks a joke every now and again and i feel like like dom is is just like your everyday dude and barrett is just the most cynical jerk of all time (laughs) and and you know it's funny because it's like i say i always hated barrett and then stuff you find out like that like these things that have been a total pain in the ass for you all the time in gears 4 are all related to barrett and you're like Uh of course he would be a pain in my ass even when he's not really in the game but yeah i feel like just just seeing like that the story kind of comes around and I guess, yeah, once the krill are gone, they had to focus a little more on doing just doing that. Right. Uh-huh. But I mean, really, yeah. Speaking of Ram, he couldn't have, he had to have been controlling the krill or something because once he's gone, the krill are just gone from the entire series forever. Oh, they don't come back. Nope. What? Yep. That sucks. I thought they were yeah. so cool. Yeah. It was a really cool mechanic and it was just like, yeah. Okay. And, and yeah. I don't know if they were just like, well, we have the opportunity to make them gone and some gamers just wanted more action and less, you know, thinking. So we're just going to get rid of them. <laughs> it is the only break from the action. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. One thing that I wanted to bring up as well, and I don't know, I just got a, I, I've not really played much in terms of games with a headset and I just picked up a Turtle Beach Stealth 600 recently and it like, I don't know if the game has very good sound or if it's a mix of the game sound and playing it with a headset, but like, why did I ever play games without a headset on? Like it sounds spectacular and it's like a, it's like a surround headset. And so like, you can like, you can actually kind of like, it's like, Oh, Oh shoot. This guy's at my five and you kind of know where to turn to get the general direction of them. And it's like nothing else. It's super cool. And then like, like I used to, I, I have a headset for my PlayStation and I would use it sometimes with my Xbox by plugging it into the, the, auxiliary port on the controller but i feel like the auxiliary port on the xbox controller is like it just kind of cuts in and out a lot i I don't know if you've plugged a headset into your xbox at all but i've across multiple xbox ones and across multiple controllers and like direct line of sight to the controller like like the console's like seven feet away like it'll be fine for a while and then it'll just like cut out randomly or get really crackly um and i you know the funny thing is is i've had that issue with my xbox one where I had the adapter, like, cause I have the older controllers okay. on my Xbox yep. one, but I have the newer controller with my one X and I haven't had a problem. So I don't know. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Like it's, it's happened on the one that came with my one X, the previous Xbox that I had, which I don't have the controllers for anymore and multiple like headsets and stuff too. But I was like, it, it was kind of, it was always annoying, but I kind of wanted a, a new headset and one that had kind of a, a flip down mic that would mute itself, which this one has, but this one uses the, there's no dongle or anything. It just uses the Xbox wireless as well. And, and I played all of gears using that headset and I didn't have a single cutout. So I'm so happy. And uh, it sounded fantastic as well. So yeah, uh, I feel like I feel like I now I used to only really play a he- with a headset if I was playing PlayStation VR or um, my fiance is a nurse. So when she's sleeping during the day after a night shift, I'd play with a headset. But like I'm home alone this weekend and I was playing with a headset on last night and it just sounds spectacular. So yeah, uh, it's changed, so, it's so changed, nice, man. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. In some regards, like I love having a surround. Like if I have a choice of a surround sound system or my headset, I'll play with the surround sound system if I'm oh, not sure. playing multiplayer. Yeah. Just because it's like it's just a little more immersive and I don't feel like I've got a big weight on my head. Right. I don't have a surround sound system though. So just a yeah, I don't like a two point right one sound bar. So playing with that surround in the headset, I feel like was a game changer for sure. Yeah, and it it does make a difference, especially uh, if you're playing the the multiplayer or anything really uh, competitive, like getting into, I don't even think you'd probably want to play the multiplayer unless you were really committed to getting into it on this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I feel like the people who are still playing it are <laughs> left, really yeah. hardcore. Yeah. And uh, they are playing it at probably more of a pro gamer level. Sure. But maybe, uh, maybe when Gears 5 comes out. Oh, man. I'm so stoked, except for the part where, you know, what is it? What else is coming out that like 
two weeks before that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The new Borderlands is coming out two weeks before. Oh, that shit. Too. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, I got to like, you're going to have just, to choose. I'm going to have to like quit my job and quit any other projects that I have on the go and just be like, nope, I'm sorry. I'm unemployed until like January. <laughs> but at least you only have to buy one of those games. True. Because Gears of War 5 is on Xbox Game Pass. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I've, yeah, so I'm getting the ultimate version too because I took advantage of that amazing <laughs> deal. Uh, that was the best deal in potentially gaming history. And I'm so glad that I won't have to pay for Game Pass for three more years, but I would absolutely happily pay for it if I did need to. So, yeah, it's such a great deal. In regards to Gears of War Ultimate, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or are you ready to uh, move on? Well, my only question for you is on your One X, did you find that you had, I didn't have an issue on the PC and I didn't have an issue on my original Xbox One, but the cutscenes were glitchy for me on my One X. Oh, really? No, not at yeah. all. Not once. Oh, okay. I just, maybe it's just the copy I downloaded or something. Yeah, it's, um, I found the cutscenes were kind of ch- like, like choppy or what choppy. kind of? Yeah. Yeah, no, I had, uh, I didn't notice anything. Okay, well, maybe it was just a fluke for me. Yeah, the other, like the PC one I downloaded. It was it was all a breath of fresh air after playing Observer for the last episode, I'll tell you that. Because that game runs like crap. Oh, well, good to know. I won't play it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that was the only thing is on my One X, I kind of was just sad because of the fact that that was the way it was. And the game sure. seemed to run slightly smoother on my One X compared to my Xbox One. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, the cutscenes were annoying and I feel like the one was the difference between the one and the one X was negligible in terms of performance, mm-hmm. probably cause it was specifically redesigned for the one, but I just, that kind of like ruined the immersion for me. But you know, if it was just a fluke on my end, then great. <laughs> Everyone else, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's a, it's a good thing to bring up too. Cause one of the things that I did not mention, but I was quite impressed with is the, the transitions from game to cutscene were like instant. And the game has very, very quick loading times. Like uh, there's, I feel like there's so many games where, and, and I really appreciate it here because I feel like in a lot of the instances, checkpoints could be a bit more regular. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it, it kind of throws you fairly far back and there's like a cutscene in the middle of it and everything like that. So with those kind of longer times, if you do die, I really appreciated that. Like when you die and you hit the like proceed to last checkpoint, it's like three to five seconds and you're back in the game. Like it's very, very quick. Um, and I thought that was, that was really well done. Yeah, it is really nice. And it was, you know, that was true with the original too. You didn't have huge long load times either. Mm, okay. I mean, they were a little longer, but they weren't dramatic. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of the success. You look at, Duke Nukem Forever, where the forever was literally your load screens. <laughs> and um, and the game was terribly short. Uh, this is a decent length of game that functions mm-hmm. beautifully. And even with, if even if you're willing to take on the challenge of, uh, you know, I've never played Gears of War, but I'm going to do this on hard for, you know, if you're, if you're a masochist, that's fine. Because, you know, when you die, you're not going to be sitting there brooding over what the hell you did wrong sure. for five minutes. You're going to be right back in the action and trying mm-hmm. to do something different immediately. And it is like one of those, like in the campaign too, it is um, it is a game where like once you die, you can, or if you're having trouble with the section, you do kind of learn where the enemies come from. And and this, you know, once I cross this point, this is kind of when the enemies drop and that sort of thing. So you do kind of get used to those patterns as well if you are having trouble. So it is one of those things where like there, uh, I was going to say there's no cheap deaths, but there are when, you know, you can't take cover because your, your, your dude is uh, uh, in the way or he jumps in front or he walks in front of you and you're throwing your grenade and the grenade bounces back and explodes on you like that sort of thing so there are some cheap deaths but um for the most part i feel like you can learn from each mistake that you make and and change up change up the behaviors for the next round as well yeah 100 percent. so with that uh I, I mean i think i know the answer to this one for both of us but for you is gears of war ultimate edition a must play uh is gears of war ultimate edition a give it a shot or would you say to skip gears of war ultimate edition I'm going to say it's a must play, but with a caveat that if you've played the original Gears of War, like I did, and and you've relied on those, you know, or you really enjoyed those uh, mechanics where you could, you know, play a multiplayer map with AI, uh, you might miss those. If you have never played Gears of War, you need to play this. It is fantastic. Yeah, I I agree completely. For for myself, it is also a must play. I, you know, I, it's, it's a series that is getting its fifth main series game and then in, in, 
a very short period of time. I expected it to be good. I didn't expect, however, to love it as much as I did. I just hope that I can find the time to play the rest of the series very soon so that I can jump on Gears 5 uh, and not miss any of the story or be spoiled in any way or anything like that. So I got some work ahead of me at this point, but I, I loved it. And I, I can I can see why my dad got stuck playing it for eight plus hours every day uh, when I was a teenager. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. And uh, worth worth learning to play inverted for, I guess. 100%. And it gives you that intro to, honestly, like if you want this, the, um, the games that are going to sink your time, um, the later Gears games are, but you get an appreciation for the actual gameplay overall and the story. Uh, just because, I mean, you're not always going to play Horde mode on Gears 4 or Gears 5 or whatever. You're going to want to play the story. And knowing the backstory... I mean, you can jump in, I guarantee you, Gears 4, you're not really going to miss much. Um, but if you want the whole backstory and, you know, where what all happened with Marcus Phoenix and who the heck Anya was and all that stuff, that's all in Gears 1 through 3. And Gears of War Ultimate is the perfect way to experience that. It's definitely a good jumping in point. I totally agree. Um, are the, from what you remember, are the campaigns for the other games all a similar length? Are they longer or shorter? Or? Uh, they're all about a similar length. And similar I length. would say a similar difficulty. I mean, okay. some mechanics change and things like that. But sure. Um, and I think yeah, there is a little bit more puzzle solving in two and three. Um, but obviously with the Krill being gone. Oh, right. I'm out. I don't care anymore. Krill are gone. I'm out. It's done. Yep. It's a skip. My, my favorite characters. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, they were as developed as some of the other ones. Oh, I'm just kidding. Rough. I'm just kidding. I, I am really interested to see more about where these characters came from and everything like that, for sure. But yeah, I, I hope I can get into the games and not have to wait for the next one to pop up in the randomizer here. But <laughs> uh, but speaking of that, I'm going to go ahead and draw the game for the next episode. Roll them dice. So next episode, we are playing uh, The Elder Scrolls Online Tamriel Unlimited, which I've played a little bit before several years ago, and I did have fun with it. So I am looking forward to it. I wonder what's changed. There's been 9,000 expansions since I last played it. So <laughs> so I'm wondering. I mean, it's not Skyrim, though. Didn't they build Skyrim into it? No, Morrowind. I, I there's, a Morrowind there's Morrowind now. Honestly, I don't know. The Elder Scrolls, that's, that is a game that's not super my jam. Mm-hmm. Not enough curb stomps. I guess not, no. We didn't even talk about curb stomps. That's another badass point in this game. Yeah, but it's not even as featured as like later games. Just wait till like oh. you play. Just just wait. Just there's <laughs> just so wait. much stuff. There's so curb much stuff. Yeah, you can, you'll miss you'll miss curb stomping a little bit, I think, in future games because you don't do it as much. But yeah, there's there's other stuff. There's so much other stuff. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go start right now. Sounds good. Probably not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got I got to play. Jeez, how I wonder how long uh, I wonder how long Elder Scrolls Online is. I got to get going. Jeez. It's been nice knowing you. That's all I have to say. It's been nice knowing you as well. With that, I think this is the end of another episode of Xbox Game Passengers. Uh, thank you again, listeners, so much for joining us. And thank you, Mike, for coming on for another episode absolutely i'd love to have you back again sometime if uh, you're down for it these are always fun oh absolutely uh, anytime just let me know yeah and uh we got to get on that gears 5 when it comes out i gotta i gotta get prepped totally maybe maybe you'll get the randomizer and it'll be like gears 5 right when it comes out <laughs> right away that'll yeah. probably be when i get to play it so so i can uh i can hope i can cross my fingers there you go uh, I hope that you've enjoyed what you've heard uh, and we will be back in just two short weeks with our thoughts on the Elder Scrolls online. Um, for now, if you have enjoyed what you've listened to, uh, please, please do whatever you can to get us out there, whether that's a five star or a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get the show. Um, even leaving us an actual written review uh, can make a very big difference for us as well. The biggest thing, if you like it, uh, you probably know other people that play video games. So if you share it with a single friend, maybe they'll like it too. And we would really appreciate it. So, but yeah, we really appreciate you being here and we hope that you'll join us again in just two Wednesdays with the Elder Scrolls Online. But for now, that's it. Uh, if you want to hear from us more in the meantime, we are also on Twitter at XGP Podcast. That's it. So thank you so much and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Peace, love, and chainsaws, y'all. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.